the first step to forgiveness is acknowledging and recognizing that there's an unforgiving spirit in your heart. And then from that point on, it's simply making a decision and then starting the process. But you need to make that first step by acknowledging it and then making a conscious decision, a quality decision that you will forgive. So some of the things I might say tonight you may not agree with or you may not like or may feel uncomfortable. But I'm not here to make you feel uncomfortable. I'm here to simply share with you what the Word of God says about forgiveness. And so, let's pray, and then we'll get right into the Word. Father, we thank you so much. Father God, you're great, you're wonderful, you're marvelous. And Father, I yield myself to you tonight. Use me, Father God, as you will. Speak through my lips. Speak into their hearts. Father, let your Word be accurate. Let it be simple and easy to understand. Father, give me the grace to stand up here and Present this word to you in a way that you want it to be presented. Father, I pray that you open up the hearts of everyone that is here tonight. May they have a ready mind and a ready spirit to receive your word. And Father, I pray that you begin to identify each one of them, Father God, where they are. And Lord, I thank you for ministering to them and teaching them and and helping them, Father, and empowering them, Father God, to come to a place that you desire for them. And so, Father, we thank you. We welcome you here tonight. We thank you for the Holy Ghost who's the teacher tonight. And Lord, we thank you, Father God, for everything that's about to be said tonight. And we give you all the glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let me start off by reading to you an illustration. It starts off by saying, we've all seen, even if it was just in a picture or maybe you've seen it in person, a bell in a bell tower. These bells hang up high and they have a rope attached to them. To ring the bell, the rope must be pulled down a few times. There is a constant pulling and a constant ringing of the bell. Now, after the pulling is over and the person pulling the rope lets go, the bell will stop or will keep ringing or keep swinging. But the bell does not stop swinging just because the rope is not being pulled anymore. It will swing for a while before it slows down and eventually stops. Forgiveness is the act of letting the bell rope go. It means that you choose to no longer hold the rope. A lack of forgiveness is when you constantly pull the rope. Each ring of the bell reminds us of each wrong inflicted on us by another. Our constant pulling of the rope keeps the wrongdoings on our minds, constantly reminding us. Now, if we choose to let go by a decision of the will... Our emotions will still hear the bell for a little while. But if you let the rope go and leave it alone, after a while, the bell, the memory of the pain, the memory of the offender will slow down until it stops. Don't let the fact of the feelings of the pain get in the way of your forgiveness. You are responsible for not constantly ringing the bell. If you don't pick up the rope, the sound the memory of the pain will die down. Sometimes forgiveness is hard because we've been ringing the bell for so too long that we don't know what life is without the bell. Sometimes we leave the bell alone for a while, but then we pick it up, we pick up the rope, and we start all over again. 
It's a beautiful picture of forgiveness. And the problem is that too many of us are holding the bell and ringing it constantly. And the bell, as the illustration shows, is a reminder of the pain, the offenses, the, the betrayal, and the hurt that have been inflicted upon you. But if we let the rope go, the pain will still be there. The feelings of unforgiveness will still be there. But if you don't go back and hold on to the rope, that bell will eventually slow down. That is the pain, the unforgiveness, the resentment, the bitterness will eventually slow down and stop. This is so important. Because this is where so many of us struggle. Because we don't want to let go. We feel that by holding on, we're inflicting punishment on the offender. When in reality, you're actually inflicting pain and harm upon yourself. So we want to be able to let go of the rope. But it requires a decision to let it go and not go back and hold on to it again. And don't worry about the pain and the discomfort and the unforgiveness and the attitudes. And, because that will slowly move away. But you've got to make that decision. Because that's what begins the process of healing. We're pretty much aware of the challenges of forgiveness. I know that it's difficult to do that because many of us have been deeply hurt now i don't know what you're going through what pains you're dealing with what abuses you've experienced but i do know this there is healing available and you don't have to stay there and so my purpose my prayer is that we'll get a hold of what god is saying here tonight and then leave here set free and, and be released from the weight and the heaviness of this unforgiving spirit. All of us have been hurt from, at one time or another. Every one of us. And every one of us maybe holds some, some degree of unforgiveness, some more than others. But if we want complete healing, if we really want to be delivered from Resentment, bitterness, anger, vengeance, hate. Then complete healing will only come if you forgive your abuser. Now that might be hard to to even imagine. Because when you think of your abuser, when you think of, of your offender... All you can think of is the pain that's been inflicted upon you. And for some of us, it's hard for us to get past that. But there's only one way to be healed, and that's through making a decision to forgive the person who offended you. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. Now, some people may argue, well, you don't understand the pain that I've endured. 
you don't know what this person has done to me. You don't know how long of the abuse I've been dealing with. Some people will use that to justify their feelings of anger and an unforgiving heart. Saying, well, you know what? God knows how I feel. God knows what was done to me. And God knows, understands exactly how I feel and why I feel the way I feel. Justifying their actions and justifying the fact that they can stay angry and be of an unforgiving heart. But you know what? God does understand where you are. He does understand the pain that you're going through. He understands the magnitude of the pain and the suffering that you've been dealing with. He knows the abuses that that you've dealt with. But that doesn't mean that God will agree or approve of you justifying an unforgiving heart and anger because God just doesn't do that. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, the very important verse of scripture, help us to understand that God knows exactly where you are. Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. In other words, Jesus has been where you've been, and he is where you are right now. He says that he is able to sympathize. The word sympathize means to feel or to suffer with our weaknesses. So the Lord Jesus knows exactly where you are and what you're feeling and what you're going through. But you know, the wonderful thing is God doesn't want you there anymore. He doesn't want you to stay in that place. Listen, God's only solution, and I mentioned this the last time, his only solution for a heart that has been broken and hurt, his only solution for a relationship that had been violated and betrayed is forgiveness. My friends, there is no other way. There's no other way for healing of unforgiveness except to forgive. There is no other way to get over this and overcome unforgiveness and all the other things that come with unforgiveness until we've decided to forgive the offender or the abuser. Go to Matthew chapter 18. This is our key verse uh, from last time, and I wanted to go back to that. But forgiveness is the most difficult task for every believer. How many would agree with that? How many of you have ever been ticked off? Well, we all have, have we? But how many of you have ever been ticked off? And as you walk away, you still have those feelings of anger stirring up. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And sometimes you find yourself talking about it, talking to your friend, your, your spouse, or your children, or whatever. Be very careful because you're already entering into an unforgiving spirit. It's best that when you get angry, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. But when you fester in that anger, when you allow that anger to fester, and, and listen, we've all been guilty. When someone said something that offended us, 
Sometimes we stay up nights thinking about it. And we get angry. But we have to be very careful not to feed that monster. Because that monster will become, become big and big. And before you know it, you're consumed in unforgiveness and bitterness. If you study the Old Testament, there are several different Hebrew words for forgiveness that stresses the, the idea of wiping out or blotting out the memory of sin. It stresses the words covering or concealing. It's like concealing something. In the New Testament, in the Greek, it carries a connotation of forgiveness as setting free or canceling their debt and letting them go as if they've not committed a crime. It stresses the concept of grace. And grace is undeserved favor. In Matthew chapter 18... In verse 21, Peter starts with a question. The question, he says, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And then Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but seven times 70 or 70 times seven. And if you do your math, that's 490 times. Jesus was not telling us that, that, he, that we have 490 times chances to be forgiven but once we sin the fifth the 500th time then we're out of unforgiveness we, we, we've tapped out we've maxed out so from from that point on there's no more forgiveness to be had but that's not what jesus is saying he's saying there are no limits to forgiveness the scripture says that there are mercy, new mercies or the, the mercies of god are new every morning not sometimes or some mornings, every morning. The Bible also tells us that his mercy endures not once a month, not once a year, but endures forever. So his mercies and his forgiveness is unlimited. And upon that, he begins to talk about this parable he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And the last time we spoke about this, the 10,000 talents is an equivalent of $16 million. That's a lot of money. How many of you owe $16 million? Okay, I was going to pray for you. And it goes on to say this. And when he had begun, okay, and but verse 25, but as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. Then the servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And this is my favorite part of this verse, um, this chapter. Verse 27, then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. I'm still trying to wrap my, my head around the fact that the king was able to forgive all of his debts. We're talking about $16 million. In the business world, if someone was to lose $16 million, they're going to do everything they can to try to regain that, that money or try to get most of it. Because to lose $16 million is unheard of. But I guess it does happen. But to release 
and forgive the person of the debt completely, that person walked out of that palace completely free from that debt. That's exactly what God did for us. And again, it's just so hard to grasp that God would completely set me free from every debt that I ever owed. Because understand this, that whatever debt we had, there was no way that we can pay for it. There was no way that we can earn enough money to try to pay off our debts. There was no way that we can try to do whatever we can do to try to erase that debt. It took God to erase that debt for us. But it cost him something. It cost him his son. So if God was willing to take a loss for the sake of forgiving us of all our debts, how much more do you expect God for us to do the same for others? Think about this. What God is requiring of us is to forgive all debts. I like the 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 blackboard. How many of you remember the blackboards in school? When I was in school, in grade school, um, if you were good, if you behaved, uh, for me that was a rare occasion. But this one particular day, I, was, I happened to behave. And a lot of times the teachers will assign the boys to erase the board and to wash it. Or sometimes they'll send them down to you know, clean the erasers. Remember the old eraser machines? Some of you don't remember that. And I remember the, the board was filled with all kinds of writings. And I took the eraser and I just, man, and I was just admiring my work. But there was nothing there. Whatever was written there was gone. It's wonderful that you can write something on a chalkboard, whether you're writing a sentence or trying to figure out a, a, some sort of mathematical formula. And if you make a mistake, all you need to do is take an eraser and just simply erase the error. That's what God did for us. He canceled out every error in our lives. But that's what God wants us to do for others. Could you be able to take or to erase or to cancel out every area that was ever done to you by the offender? Because that is what God is requiring of us to do. Understand that God is calling us to a higher calling. He doesn't want us to settle for medium or or less. He's trying to take us higher. And one of those levels is to be able to forgive in such capacity that we're able to erase all the error, all of the offenses, all of the pain and hurt that's been caused to it, that's been caused us by that offender. I want you to do something for me right now. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to think of the person that did you harm. Just think about that person for a moment. And as you're thinking about that person, think of all the things that person done to you. And while you're thinking, let me ask you this question. Do you feel emotion rising when you think about that individual or individuals or, or persons? Because if you're feeling some sort of emotion, whether it's anxiety, anger, resentment, or whatever, that's a pretty good sign that you've not yet forgiven. And tonight, my prayer is that you will no longer feel that way again.
In Matthew chapter 6, when we read the Lord's Prayer, you can open up your eyes. In Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus introduced the Lord's Prayer, in the prayer, it lists all the things that God is doing or to do in that prayer. But there's only one thing that is required of us. That is to forgive our debtors. You remember the Lord's Prayer? Everything in that Lord's Prayer is what God does. But out of all that, there was only one that we had to do. And that's to forgive our debtors. So even the Lord's Prayer is telling us what we must do. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. So the person that you're called to forgive may not be deserving of forgiveness. And as I said before, withholding forgiveness may seem uh, uh, your way of getting back at that person and hurting that person and punishing that offender. But as I said before, that when people cannot go around, you know, taking revenge towards others because of what they've done, it's only harming you. And listen, if you can't get anything else, please get that. Because it will harm you physically, emotionally, and spiritually. But the Lord calls us to follow his example of extending grace to all. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32 says this. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted. Forgiving one another just as God in Christ forgave you. This statement sets the standard by which we are to forgive. And that is as God in Christ forgave forgave us. So when someone hurts us, and we may feel that that person does not deserve any pardon, neither do we deserve the pardon that Christ provides for us when he died on the cross. We did not deserve that. Go to Matthew chapter 27. When I think about the cross... I think about the crucifixion as, a, as an instrument that, how can I say it? It's an agonizing experience, let me just say that. It's probably one of those most violent way to punish someone. And I think of Jesus hanging on a cross, being crucified. But you want to know what was more agonizing than hanging on a cross? Is when Jesus bore the sins of the world on his shoulders and the Lord turned away. In Matthew 27, verse 46 says this. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So deserving has nothing to do with it. Forgiveness is forgiving even if it's undeserving. So when you're forgiving someone, you're pardoning that person, you're pardoning that offender, and you're considering that person, that offender, that abuser, and you're treating him as though he's never done nothing to you. I'll say that again. Forgiveness is pardoning an offender so that the offender 
is considered and treated as not guilty. As if he never did anything to you. Now, are you able to wrap your brain around that concept? The Lord gave us the best possible example of forgiveness when he hung on a cross and he stood and, and he was hanging there before his accusers. And everybody that was there was watching. It was like an entertainment type of thing. And people were laughing. People were mocking and ridiculing him. And, and his accusers were standing there watching him and gloating. And yet he was hanging there, agonizing in pain and, and suffering. Bearing the sins of the world on his shoulders. And not to mention the fact that God had already turned away. But yet he was able to utter these words. Father, forgive them. for They know not what they do. Man. So to forgive, we must make a decision to do certain practical things that will help us. Remember, forgiveness is a process. It's not something that you're going to overcome overnight, especially for those who have been hurt deeply. But healing is around the corner. But you've got to be willing to start the process. And the process begins by making a decision. Then once you make that decision to say, Lord, I'm going to forgive this person. I may still feel angry. I may still feel unforgiving. But Lord, I'm making a conscious effort to to forgive this person as an act of my will. Then we need to make a decision to stop blaming others for the things that they've done to you. In other words, don't sit around and talk about the offenses that was inflicted to you. And don't talk about the offender that inflicted that offense. You know, people get together and they talk. And there are some people who love to share their woes and their pains towards others. And when you're sharing your pains and you're talking about the offender that inflicted that pain. Nothing good comes out of your mouth except negativity. And people don't like being around bitter people. Have you ever found that out? People don't like to be around negative people. Also, we need to make a decision to stop giving power and desire to punish or to retaliate that individual. It's a decision to stop or to give up that power or even to imagine I remember when I was going, I was dealing with something where I had to forgive this person. And this person did a lot of things to hurt me. And I would remember, and again, keep in mind that I was still struggling with this. I was a young Christian. But I remember imagining ways to get back at this person. And it's, I thank God for his grace. Because some of the things that I was imagining and thinking, man, it was just like off the wall. I said, man, I can't believe I thought like that. But when you're hurt and when you're angry, the imagination starts to stir. And all of a sudden, this spirit of vengeance wants to rise up and get back at this person. But thank God that I never played that out. But it's common. And we need to guard ourselves from that. And it starts with a decision. So whenever you get tempted to want to think about ways to get back at that person, 
whether it's physically or whether it's using a voodoo doll or whatever it is you decide to do. Catch yourself and say, no, I've made a decision to not do harm. I've already forgiven that person. I'm not going there. Forgiveness means to release or fully free a person from a debt or an offense that was made against you. Going back to the parable of the young servant who pleaded with the king to give him another chance. And the king, filled with compassion, forgave him. I mean, he could have just made some sort of a, okay, let's talk about doing a payment plan here. You know, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a job, we'll get some work and, you know, make some extra money, give you some overtime, and you can pay me off that way. No, he completely forgave and released that person, completely. That person walked out of that palace free of debt. Imagine your, your mortgage company calling you and saying, you don't have to pay your mortgage anymore. That's, that's wonderful. Of course, they're not God. But that's what, it's, that's what forgiveness is all about. Go with me. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Let's talk about living a lifestyle of forgiveness. Because once we made a decision to forgive, now we need to walk in that decision. We need to walk in that forgiveness. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, it says this. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Paul says that we are to walk worthy. The word to walk worthy means to walk appropriately or to walk in a godly manner. So we are called to live a lifestyle that is appropriate before God. That is a life that is, that is lived out in a godly manner. So when we walk in love, then we are walking in an appropriate manner. When we're walking in faith, then we're walking in an appropriate way or in a godly manner. When we walk in obedience, then we are walking appropriately or in a godly manner. In the same way that when we walk in forgiveness, we are walking appropriately and in a godly manner. And I can go on and on and on. But when we want to walk appropriately before God, forgiveness is one of the ways that we can do that. And again, I'm talking about making a decision. And then think of the bell. Don't be pulling the rope. Let it go. The bell will ring. It'll swing. And you'll hear the sound of the bell, which is your hurts, your pains, your unforgiveness, and all these attitudes and all these bitterness. But it'll stop. And then one day when you wake up, when you think about the person, or when you think about the offenses, you realize it doesn't bother you anymore. Oh, man, it's such a free... It's, it, it, you feel so free knowing that you don't have that weighing you down anymore. I know how that feels like because I went through the same thing. And I thought that I had to deal with this for the rest of my life. I thought that I had to constantly deal with all that and with all the pain and all the fighting. And, and But then I made a decision to forgive. And I can't say that it was an easy task and an easy journey. But I started the process by making a decision. And over time, the bell stopped ringing. 
And I don't feel any animosity at all towards that individual. We are to walk worthy of the Lord. In other words, we want to be able to walk in a manner that is pleasing to God. And what pleases God most is the fact that we walk in forgiveness. And how are we to do that? Verse 2 says, with all lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. The word bearing with one another means to put up with someone. How many of you have ever had to put up with someone? Put up with them with all loneliness and gentleness and with long suffering. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. We're talking about living a lifestyle of forgiveness. In Ephesians 4, verse 29, it says this Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Verse 29 says that let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. When you're talking about the offender or the offenses and there are people around you listening, the scripture says that let no corrupt words come out of your mouth. But whatever comes out of your mouth, let it be necessary for edification and let it impart grace to the hearers. But when you're talking about the offense of others, you're not edifying that individual. And you're certainly not speaking grace to their ears. He says, let no corrupt words come out of your mouth. So when you find yourself about to say something about that individual or that the person that offended you or start talking about the offenses that was inflicted upon you, you need to catch yourself and make a decision. No, I'm not going there. I've already forgiven that person. Then he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. The fact that you can grieve the Holy Spirit tells me that the Holy Spirit is a person. Because only a person can be grieved. The word grieve means to, to sorrow or to, to be distressed. Well, what, how, can we di- bring, how can we cause the Holy Spirit to become distressed and sorrowful? Well, it says this in verse 31. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking. These are things that grieve the Holy Spirit. These are things that bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit. But rather, he says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, and forgiving one another. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Verse 12 says this, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another. There's that word again. Bearing with one or putting up with one another and forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection.
One of the things that God does is that when he's forgiven us, he also forgets everything we've ever done. We have a hard time forgetting some of the things that have been done to us. But if God is able to forgive us, as well as forget everything we've ever done, that we need also to do the same thing. Let me read to you an illustration of the power of forgetfulness. There was a pastor who was loved and admired by so many in his community. I've probably shared this before, but it's, it bears repeating again. And so everyone looked up to this pastor. But deep in his heart, he carried a heavy burden. Many years ago, he had committed a secret sin. And even though he had already confessed before God, he still carried this burden in his spirit. In other words, he had a hard time forgiving himself. And there was a woman in his congregation who claimed to have visions in which Christ spoke to her and she with him. And the pastor was a little skeptical and decided to test her to see if she was making this up or if it was true. So he says to her, the next time you have a vision and speak with Christ, ask him what sin I committed while I was in seminary. And she agreed. Several days later, she came to the pastor and told him that Christ had appeared to her again in her dreams. And then the pastor asked, well, did you ask him what sin I committed? And she said, yes. And the pastor said, well, what did he say? And the woman responded, well, he said, I don't remember. And that's exactly what God has done with us. If he doesn't remember, why are you still thinking about it? We need to learn to forgive as well as forget. And some of you may be dealing with unforgiveness with yourself. Maybe you were the offender. Maybe you were the abuser. Maybe you've done something to hurt somebody. And, and you may have apologized a thousand times. You made restitution. You did everything possible to make things right. But you still can't seem to forgive yourself. Make a decision to forgive and then forget. Erase it from your blackboard. Cancel it out. I'm going to do something a little bit different tonight. I'll finish this up this next week. But I really feel strong about this. I want to pray for, for you tonight. Before we do the altar call. Because I know that there are many of you here tonight who are dealing with unforgiveness. For some of you, it's a stronghold. For some of you, it's hard to get past. Whether it's because somebody offended you or did something to you. Or maybe you have a hard time forgiving yourself. So what I'm going to ask you to do is I want all eyes closed and no one looking around. I'm not going to ask you to come up to pray. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray for you right where you sit. But I want all eyes closed right now. Because I want to pray for you. Now, if that's you, if you're dealing with unforgiveness, if you're dealing with bitterness and resentment because of something that had been done to you, I want you to raise your hand. Again, no one looking around. Keep your hands up. I want to see so I know who I'm praying for. All eyes should be closed. No one looking around. Okay, good, good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
All right, I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. You can put your hands down. I'm going to pray for you right where you are. But I want everyone to join me in this prayer. So I want you to repeat these words. I want you to say, Father God, I ask for your forgiveness. For any bitterness, any resentment, any anger, any unresolved anger, an unforgiving heart. Father, I bring it before you tonight. And Father, tonight, I make a conscious decision as an act of my will, as an act of faith and obedience to your word. And I'm going to forgive this person who hurt me, who said some awful things to me, who has abused me. Father, I make this decision. I'm letting go of that rope. And although I may feel the bell of pain and hurt, but I know that by faith, those pains, the hurts, will eventually disappear. Father, I thank you for breaking the strongholds in my life called unforgiveness. It will no longer hold me It will no longer weigh me down. You've canceled every debt. You've erased every error from my heart concerning that individual. And Father, I thank you that I've been set free. I thank you that I'm a free man, a free woman. And Lord, I just give you all the glory and all the praise. And today, I start my new journey a living a life of forgiveness. I will no longer talk about the person. I will no longer talk about the offenses because they've been forgiven and forgotten. Thank you, Lord, for hearing my prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's give him the praise. Hallelujah.